إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So last time we had gone over some of the ahadith from Bahjat Qulub al-Abrar. One of those narrations that we had mentioned was about the Muslims being like one building and the Muslims fortifying one another, strengthening one another. And we had mentioned that to gain a real fortress of unification then it requires for the Muslims to be upon one aqidah, to be upon one methodology. This does not mean that the hadith is specifying that particular point. That point regarding how the strength of the Muslims will occur, that is relating to how the aqidah is only one, the methodology is only one, the pathway, the Qur'an, the sunnah, the understanding of the salaf, that is all one methodology. Strength of unity will only occur upon that one methodology. The narration where it says generally that a Muslim to another Muslim fortifies one another, then that is, in the wording of it, open and general, talking about the Muslims as a whole, but the reference to the aqidah and to the manhaj, and that being the point of unification, that is to highlight that the pathway is only one, and that true unity can only occur upon that one aqidah, upon that one methodology. Then we move on now today, to the hadith of Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiyallahu anhu qal qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ittaqillaha haythuma kunt wa atbi'i sayyata al-hasana tamhuha wa khaliqin nasa bikhuluqin hasan in this hadith the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Fear Allah wherever you may be. Fear Allah wherever you may be. And follow up a bad deed with a good one. And it will wipe it out. Follow up a bad deed with a good one. And it will wipe it out. And mingle with the people, interact with the people with good manners. This is a statement of the Prophet ﷺ, an advice for all people of all times, Muslims from the beginning to the end, then this is a pertinent advice. Fear Allah wherever you may be, meaning whether you are out in the open, whether you are concealed from the eyes of the people, wherever you may be, then you are never concealed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the level of the muhsin. The muhsin is the one who recognizes that he is never hidden from Allah, recognizes that everything he does, everything he says, Every word he utters, every action he performs, whatever he thinks in his heart, everything is known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The muhsin recognizes that. So he fears Allah wherever he is. Whether he's in the eyes of the people, or whether he is hidden and concealed from the eyes of the people, he behaves in the same way. And that is why Shaykh al-Thaymeen, 
Rahimahullahu ta'ala mentioned, don't just be a person of taqwa when you're out in public. Don't just be a person of taqwa when you're out in public. And a person of no taqwa when you're concealed from the eyes of the people. Do not have two realities. A reality that is concealed from the eyes of the people. And another pious reality when you are out in front of the eyes of the people. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ mentioned regarding the muhsineen, regarding ihsan, أَن تَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكُ That you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as though you see Him. And of course you do not see Allah. But even if you do not see Allah, then remember that indeed Allah sees you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees you in all of your affairs. So here the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa says, Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you may be. And the reality of taqwa when they say, Ittaqillah, have taqwa. The reality of taqwa, as the Salaf they mentioned, it is, the definition of taqwa is, that you fulfill the obligations of Allah upon you. Desiring the reward from Allah, and you fulfill them upon evidences and knowledge. You fulfill the obligations to Allah upon knowledge, not blindly doing whatever bid'ah all sorts. Fulfill the obligations to Allah upon knowledge, desiring the reward from Allah, sincerity. And also from the meaning of taqwa, the second part, Stay away from the haram upon knowledge. Knowing what the haram is, staying away from the haram. Fearing the punishment of Allah. That is the definition of taqwa. You fulfill the obligations upon knowledge, desiring the reward from Allah. And you stay away from the prohibitions upon knowledge, fearing the punishment of Allah. That is the person who has taqwa. Fulfills the obligations and stays away from the haram. Upon knowledge, desiring the reward for the obligations, fearing the punishment from the haram. So here when the Prophet ﷺ says, Ittaqillah, have that taqwa of Allah, حَيْثُ مَا كُنْتُ Wherever you may be out in the open, concealed from the eyes of the people, then be a person who carries on, fulfilling the commandments of Allah wherever you are, upon knowledge, desiring the reward from Allah. And wherever you may be, stay away from the haram, upon knowledge of it, fearing the punishment of Allah, upon that sin that you may perform. This is the reality of taqwa. Then the Prophet ﷺ went on to say, a second piece of advice, Follow up a bad deed with a good deed, and it will wipe it out. Bad deeds, no doubt, all of us fall into bad deeds. No doubt, all of us fall into error. All of us fall into shortcoming. And that is as the Prophet ﷺ said, كُلُّ بَنِي آدَمْ خَطَّاءٍ وَخَيْرُ الْخَطَّائِينَ التَّوَّابُونَ All of the sons of Adam make error. All of the children of Adam fall into sin, into error. No doubt. However, the best of those who end up falling into error, are the ones who 
before the good deed, they seek repentance. There will be some who fall into error and don't even seek repentance. So firstly, in the hadith it mentions, in the other narration, كُلُّ بَنِي آدَمْ All of the sons of Adam, they make error. But the best of those who fall into error are at least the ones who then repent. Everybody falls into error, everybody falls into sin. That occurs, humans are weak, the shaitan whispers, a person falls into shortcoming. But then, the best of those are the ones who repent. They realize their error, they realize their sin, they realize their shortcoming and they repent. The best of those who do end up falling into error are the ones who repent. Similarly in the other hadith, hadith Qudsi, when Allah said, كُلُّكُمْ All of you تُخْطِئُونَ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ Allah said in the hadith Qudsi, hadith Qudsi, the one that the Prophet ﷺ narrates directly from Allah. Allah said, كُلُّكُمْ All of you تُخْطِئُونَ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ You make sin, you err, you make error. Shortcoming, mistakes, wrongs, day and night. You make error night and day. All of you, the humans, it is in our nature, we have shortcomings. Allah says, all of you fall into error, day and night. But then, كُلُّكُمْ تُخْطِئُونَ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ وَأَنَا أَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا but I forgive all of the sins. فَاسْتَغْفِرُونِي أَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ So seek your forgiveness from me, and I will forgive you. So Allah tells us, no doubt, you will fall into error. But if you fall into error, Allah reminds you here, He is the one who forgives all sins. All sins, shirk included. A mushrik comes now and accepts Islam. Will his shirk of his previous life be wiped out or not? Wiped out al-Islam. Islam wipes out that which came before it. Every sin, whilst you're alive, you make the sincere repentance can be forgiven. So Allah says, I am the one who forgives. So seek your forgiveness from me and I will forgive. In the ayah in the Qur'an, where Allah mentions, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْقُلْ لِعِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَصْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ Allah says, Say to my servants, the ones who have wronged themselves, who have transgressed, say to my servants who have transgressed, لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ Do not lose hope in the mercy of Allah. Indeed, Allah is the one who forgives, He is the all-forgiving. So a person, he makes sin, that occurs, it can occur. But the point is, if that does occur, how you then behave after it? Are you from the mu'mineen, the muhsineen? who return to Allah in repentance, in submission? Or are you from those arrogant and haughty who continue upon that evil? So here the Prophet ﷺ says, بِالْحَسَنَةِ Follow up any bad deed you may end up in, by doing a good deed. Repent from it and do some good deeds. Repent from the evil you've fallen into, and head towards the good and do the good. Change your direction 180 from the evil and go to the good and repent from that evil. And what will that do? Tamhuha. That good deed. The good deeds. They will wipe out that evil. Follow up an evil deed with a good one. And the good one will wipe that evil one out. If you end up falling into error, and that is why the scholars, they debated over this issue. 
Every person the angels are writing down all of your deeds. But indeed we have the noble guardians upon you writing down everything they know, everything you do. The angels, the two angels, one of them writing your good deeds, one of them writing your bad deeds. They write down all of your deeds in those books. And on the day of judgment, those books will be given to you. And those books will be placed into the weighing scale. And the judgment and accountability and the weighing of your good deeds and bad deeds occurs. This hadith now says, if you follow up a good deed, a bad deed, you end up into a bad deed, repent and follow it up with a good deed, it will wipe it out. The scholars therefore based upon this debated over the fact Will that evil deed be crossed off, rubbed out from your book of evil deeds altogether? It will be erased as the hadith indicates. Follow up the bad deed with a good one. Tamhuha. It will erase it. It will wipe it out. So some of the scholars said if that occurs, it means that the particular sin that you did it will be wiped out from your book of evil deeds, gone altogether, rubbed out altogether. Other scholars said no. Bad deeds that you have done and have been recorded in your book of evil deeds, they will remain even if you repent. However, if you have repented and followed it up with a good deed, then those bad deeds, even if they remain they will not have any consequence to them on the judgment. You will not be held accountable upon them. Because you have repented, and you have followed it up with a good deed. But some of the scholars said, it will remain there written in your book that you did it. Even though it will be null and void in terms of the consequence of it, there will be no punishment or accountability upon it. So the scholars, they debated regarding that, those bad deeds, do they remain? Or are they altogether erased? But the point of this narration is, Follow up any bad deed that you do with sincere repentance and turn to the good, and that will wipe out that evil or the bad that you fell into. There are many other narrations that talk about this type of thing. How your bad deeds can be wiped out with good actions that you do. So for example, it mentions, As-salawatu al-khams, wal-jum'ah ila al-jum'ah, wa ramadhan ila ramadhan, mukaffiratun lima baynahunna majtunibat al-kaba'ir. That one jum'ah prayer to the other jum'ah prayer. And the five daily prayers, one to the next. And Ramadan to next Ramadan. Those are expiations of the sins that occur in between. One prayer to the next prayer. You go and pray your next prayer wipes out the minor sins that have occurred from that time to the previous prayer. One Jum'ah to the next Jum'ah you come and pray sincerely wipes out the sins of that previous week. One Ramadan to the next Ramadan sincerity wipes out those sins of that year. Wipes out your previous sins. So there are many narrations that talk about good deeds wiping away your bad deeds. As long as you stay away from the major sins. Major sins. They are not wiped out in this way. Major sins you must repent. You must return to Allah. You must repent. You must seek forgiveness. As for the minor sins, they are erased in this manner. And there are some narrations regarding how in Hajj, perhaps some of the major sins are removed also, etc. without actual repentance. But generally the rule is, for the major sins you repent and seek forgiveness. Then the third piece of advice the Prophet ﷺ gives here, وَخَالِقِ النَّاسَ بِخُلُقٍ حَسَنٍ Interact with the people with a good interaction. 
interact with people, deal with people, behave with people, with good mannerisms and good behavior. That means, if you look into the sunnah, many things are mentioned. Even when you meet your brother, meet him with a smile. You meet one another, meet one another with a smile and an open face, a happy face. When you talk to one another, talk with mannerisms. When you behave with one another, behave with integrity and honesty and not deception and cheating. Also, be patient upon one another. Having these good mannerisms, also the shaykh says, As-sabru alayhim, to have patience with one another, وَعَدَمُ الظَّجْرِ minhum, And not to become agitated with one another, وَبَشَاشَةُ الْوَجْهِ And to be happy with a smiling face, وَلُطْفُ الْكَلَامِ And have the kindness and gentleness in your speech one to another, وَالْقَوْلُ الْجَمِيلِ الْمُؤْنَسِ لِلْجَلِيسِ And to have that nice type of conversation and talk and how you speak to one another, which puts people at ease and comfort one amongst another. And it enters happiness one to another. And it removes the lack of recognition. It removes any awkwardness, removes any type of feeling that You are an outsider to this one or that one. Rather, it brings love and unity, having that good mannerism, good behavior. And this is something the Prophet ﷺ spoke about also in the sunnah. In a hadith he mentioned, إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ That I have been sent to perfect the mannerisms of the people. These behaviors and the conduct and the mannerisms to perfect that. عائشة رضي الله عنها said كان خلقه القرآن the mannerisms of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم they were the Quran as you see what Allah is telling us in the Quran what to do what not to do how to do it how not to do it it was implemented in the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم so this is an aspect a Muslim needs to look over to and to look after regarding his own character Regarding his behavior, his speech, behaving with those who are elder in the correct and appropriate and respectful manner, behaving those who are younger in a manner of gentleness and kindness, behaving to the people in the appropriate manner. As for the one who is arrogant and haughty, the one who considers himself to have some station and rank and position and looks down on others, then that is a criticized characteristic in the sunnah. It is criticized that a person thinks too much of himself. A person thinks himself to be big. That is not something which is desirable whatsoever. That type of character is not something suitable whatsoever. Anybody thinking themselves to be higher or better than others. And in particular, in particular, when it comes to the issues of knowledge, A person, he learns barely a couple of pages or a few books here and there, and all of a sudden now they think themselves to be superior to everybody else. They learn a few words of Arabic, and all of a sudden they think themselves to be superior to everybody else. You do not need to think that way of yourself. The one who tries to gain respect for himself and position for himself, I've done this and I know that and I've learned this, you will never gain any respect and position in the eyes of the people. If you gain knowledge sincerely for the sake of Allah, then Allah will raise you by virtue of your knowledge. You seek that knowledge sincerely for the sake of Allah, then Allah will raise you in the eyes of the people by your sincerity of that knowledge. You do not go out there striving to portray yourself that I am superior. Striving to portray yourself that I know more and I need a higher station and rank amongst the people and the people need to recognize me as a person of authority. Do not go out there seeking that type of affair. You go out there seeking that and you will never receive it. Rather the one who is sincere, then Allah will raise you anyway 
respect from the people anyway because of your sincerity in that knowledge. Not because you wanted that station or position or anything. The scholars, they did not want any position or status. They don't seek that knowledge to get the high rank. But by virtue of their sincerity and seeking that knowledge for Allah, Allah raises them anyway and gives them the respect of the people. Just like in the hadith it mentions, when Allah loves a servant, He says to Jibreel, that oh Jibreel, such and such, I love him. So love him. So Jibreel loves that person. Then Jibreel goes to the angels and says, that Allah says he loves such and such. So love him. So the angels love him. Until it mentions in the hadith, that person is then given respect amongst the people on the earth. The people respect him and love him. Because Allah loves that person. And Allah tells the angels to love that person. So do not seek position for yourself. Do not consider yourself to be superior. Do not think yourself to have authority over others. Rather be humble. Humble with good mannerisms. And this is what the Prophet ﷺ says, حسن. Deal with the people and interact with the people and behave with the people with the good mannerisms, the humble mannerisms, modesty in your behavior and your actions. Then we move on to the next narration of Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhumah qal. قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الظلم ظلمات يوم يوم القيامة. That the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, الظلم ظلمات يوم القيامة. ظلم which is often translated as oppression. Oppression and wrongdoing. Oppression and wrongdoing will be darkness upon you on the day of judgment. You carry on oppressing and wrongdoing in this life. You live your lives upon transgression and oppression and wrongdoing. Then all of that will come back upon you as darkness on the day of judgment. That is what this narration mentions in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. So it is an encouragement of one of the types of characteristics that a Muslim is supposed to be upon. The characteristic of being just. The characteristic of being just amongst the people and with goodness and kindness and fairness. And not being in a manner where he wrongs people and oppresses people. This oppression will be darkness on the day of judgment upon you. And so, Iman and all of the affairs of the religion, they are built upon that justice. Justice, not oppression, not wrongdoing. Justice and sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from the dhulm is to go against justice with the people. To go against the rights of the people. You take away the rights of the people, then you are doing dhulm. You take away the right of your neighbor, the right of your society, people in your community... You take away their rights and you do not fulfill their rights, the rights that they have Islamically, then you are oppressing them and you are doing dhulm upon them. And this is something which is prohibited in Islam. The greatest type of this dhulm would be the rights of Allah and the rights of the Messenger. If you do not fulfill the rights of Allah, and you do not fulfill the rights of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then that is the greatest type of dhulm you can go into. That is the greatest type of oppression, transgression, that a servant can fall into. He is not even fulfilling the rights of Allah. How do you fulfill the rights of Allah? By carrying out and performing the obligations. You do not perform the obligations and you carry on with the haram, 
then you're not fulfilling the rights of Allah. You're not fulfilling the rights of the Prophet ﷺ. And then you wrong the people, you oppress them, you speak bad about them, you backbite them, you spread tales about them, lie and cheat and deceive. All of this is dhulm upon the people. All of this will return upon you on that day as darkness. Darkness upon you on that day. So every type of dhulm, Every type of wrong that you do, الظلم كله بأنواعه ظلمات يوم القيامة. Every type of ظلم, it will be darkness upon you on the day of judgment. يعاقب أهلها على قدر ظلمهم. The people who perform that ظلم will be accountable upon it on that day, and they will be punished. In accordance to how much ظلم they used to do in this world. وَيُجَازِ الْمَظْلُومُونَ مِنْ حَسَنَاتِ الظَّالِمِينَ And the ones who were oppressed, they will be given their rights back from the ones who oppressed them. And that is the famous hadith mentioned in the sunnah, when the Prophet ﷺ said, أَتَدْرُونَ مَنِ الْمُفْلِسِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ do you know who the bankrupt one is on the day of judgment? They said the one who doesn't have any, the gold or the silver, the wealth. But the Prophet said to them, It is not what you think. In the narration to them, he then explained to them that dhulm, uh, the uh, bankrupt one, the muflis, the muflis on the day of judgment, the bankrupt one on the day of judgment, will be a person who used to do worship. He used to pray, he used to fast, he used to do worship. So why will he be bankrupt on that day? Because even though he used to do worship, even though he used to come to the masjid and pray, at the same time he would oppress the people he would be taking the rights of the people, lying about this one, backbiting that one, deceiving, cheating, taking the rights of the people every day. So even though he was praying, he was coming to the mosque, he was worshipping, his character, the way he was, he was always oppressing people too. So on the day of judgment, he will have good deeds, because he used to do worship. But there will be all of this line of people who he used to wrong in this world. So they will come. And one by one, they will start taking good deeds away from him to make up for the oppression he had done to them in this world. To do justice, make justice between them. They will come and start taking good deeds. Next one, come and take some good deeds. Next one, take the deeds. Next one, take the deeds. Until all of his good deeds run out. But there are still others left who he had oppressed. So now how will justice be done for them? They can no longer take any of his good deeds for the oppression he had done to them in this world. So then the justice will be done by them taking out some of their evil deeds and placing them on to his scale of evil deeds. So look at his end result, even though he had worship. He had worship, but his tongue and his actions destroyed all of that worship of his. Destroyed all of that reward, and it will be taken away on that day, to make justice to the ones whom he had oppressed. So here now, the Prophet ﷺ warns us against that, this oppression, it will be darkness upon you on that day. So do not think that you have got away with it, that you have oppressed somebody, you have done wrong to someone, and you think you've got away with it. You have not got away with anything. Everything is recorded, and on that day, those people who you oppressed, who you wronged, they will come, on a day when nothing can be hidden, and they will take their rights from you for the wrong that you did to them. So now is the opportunity to repent. 
Now is the opportunity to return the rights of the people, to repent and seek forgiveness and not fall into the oppression of others. Then the narration after that, Hadith of Abu Hurairah, رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم انظروا إلى من هو أسفل منكم ولا تنظروا إلى من هو فوقكم فهو أجدر ألا تزدروا نعمة الله عليكم In this narration The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us, Unzuru ila man huwa asfala minkum. Look to those who are below you. Wala tanzuru ila man huwa fawqakum. And don't look to those who are above you. Look to those who are below you. And don't set your sights on those who are above you. In terms of the blessings that people have been given, etc. Do not look to those who are always above you. And they have been given more blessings than you. And they've been given more than you. Rather look to those who are below you. Who have been given less than you. Because that will cause you to recognize the level of blessings of Allah upon you in reality. When you see what you've got compared to those who are below you, then you realize just how much from blessing you've been given. When you see those who have even less than what you have, you may be somebody in poverty, you may be somebody in difficulty, But when you look to those who are in even more poverty and even more difficulty, then you realize that your situation in reality is actually, alhamdulillah, quite good compared to that one in that situation and that one in that situation. So the Prophet ﷺ said, don't look to those above you. Look to those below you so you recognize the blessing of Allah. As Shaykh Sa'di rahimahullah says, What an amazing advice this is. What a hugely beneficial advice this is from the Prophet ﷺ. And what a comprehensive type of advice it is. A comprehensive advice. فَهَذَا يَدُلُّ عَلَى الْحَثْ عَلَى شُكْرِ اللَّهِ بِالْعِتِرَافِ بِنِعَمِهِ This hadith encourages you to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessings you have. Thanking Allah, showing your gratitude to Allah for the blessings you've been given. That is from the tawheed. You recognize the blessings of Allah upon you. Allah said in the Quran, وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْصُوهَا If you try to count the blessings of Allah upon you, you would never be able to. Because there are so many blessings of Allah upon you, you would never be able to enumerate those blessings that you've been given. So this now, the hadith is an encouragement for a person to recognize the blessings of Allah upon him. And to recognize that they are from Allah upon him. Not to think that you've gained these blessings because of your skill. Not to think you've gained and earned these blessings for yourself because of your astuteness and your skill and your professionalism and your smartness. Don't think you have earned this for yourself. Rather, all of what you have, it is a blessing from Allah upon you. So to recognize the blessings of Allah, recognize that they are from Allah upon you, then this is something important and it comes into the chapters of Tawheed, into the aspects of Tawheed. 
And that's why the scholars, they say, you should be very careful with your speech. Be very careful with your phrases that you use. So for example, they mention a boat that is sinking. Storms and waves are crashing against this particular boat. And it's about to sink. But then, the captain of the boat manages to steer it to safety. So then the people, they say, was it not for the expert and skilled captain of the boat, then we would have surely sunk. That is a statement which indicates your lack of understanding of Tawheed. Was it not for the skill and the experience and the professionalism of the captain, then we would have certainly sunk. That is an indication of your lack of understanding of the reality of Tawheed. It is not the skill and the professionalism and the expertise of the captain that saved you. It is the decree of Allah, the blessing of Allah, the mercy of Allah that saved you. So you should say that you being saved was primarily from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was altogether in fact. Not to think there is primary and secondary. Altogether, it was from the mercy of Allah that you were saved. The captain was only a means to that salvation that Allah gave you by his mercy. The captain was not the actual factor in your salvation. He was only a means to your salvation that Allah prescribed from His mercy for you to be saved via. So you don't say, was it not for the skill of the captain we would have sunk? Rather you say, it was the mercy of Allah that saved us, otherwise we would have sunk. And alhamdulillah, from the mercy of Allah that He gave us a captain that Allah had blessed with skill like that. But not that you say, was it not the skill of the captain we would have sunk? That is attributing the blessing to other than Allah. So all blessings are attributed directly back to Allah. All blessings that you have, you recognize it's not your skill, it's not your smartness, you haven't earned this for yourself. You have money, you have homes, you have cars, you have not earned that for yourself. That is a blessing Allah has given you. Just like in the famous narration of Abu Hurairah about the three men. The leper, the bold man, and the blind man. The leper who had the leprosy, the skin disease. So Allah wanted to test these three people. So Allah sent an angel to the leper with the skin disease. And the angel went to him and said to him, مَا أَحَبُّ الشَّيْءِ إِلَيْكَ What is the most beloved thing to you? He said that I should have جِلْدٌ حَسَنٌ وَلَوْنٌ حَسَنٌ That I should have beautiful skin, beautiful skin and color, because he had the leprosy and the disease and his skin everywhere. And that all of this disease should be removed from me, so that the people do not find me, uh, disgusting. So it is mentioned, the angel wiped him. And by the blessing of Allah, he was cured. Cured and made beautiful. Then the angel said to him, Ma mari ilayk? What is the best of the wealth that you would love? And so he mentioned that he would desire camels, and he was in the end given a valley full of camels by the blessing of Allah. So from being a leper, with disease in poverty, he went to being beautiful and cured with a camel, with a valley full of camels, wealthy, rich. Second man had the disease upon his head, the boldness upon his head. And so again he said, I would desire to love and have the hair, and I would desire to love and have a, a valley full of cows in one narration. So from poverty and from that disease, he was cured and he was given a valley full of Cows and he was enriched all from the blessings of Allah upon him. Third man said, I would love to have my eyesight back. 
and I would love to have sheep. So he was given his eyesight back and he was given sheep by the blessing of Allah upon him. Then the same angel came back to the first person in the appearance that the first person used to be upon. In that appearance of being disheveled and in poverty, and he comes to the first person, the first person doesn't recognize this is the angel from the first time. So he says to him, I am a traveler, trying to get back to my people. All of this blessing Allah has given you, these camels everywhere. Allow me to take just one, so I can get back. It's a long distance, I've lost everything, I have no riding animal. Allow me to take one to get back to my people. The man rejected his request, refused. And he said, Al-Huququ Kathira. I have so many rights, so many duties upon me. I can't just hand over one of these camels. And he says to him, وَرِثْتُ هَذَا كَبِيرًا عَنْ كَبِيرٍ أو عَنْ أَكَابِرٍ That I have taken this as inheritance from my forefathers, all of these camels. I can't just give one away. So he rejected the blessing of Allah upon him and he lied and he refused to give him one. So the angel said, Don't I recognize you? Aren't you the man who used to be the leper and in poverty? And Allah gave you all of this. If you're lying to me, then may Allah return you to what you used to be. And the same happens with the second man. He refuses. He says, I've got all of this camel, uh, cows. All of these cows were inheritance. I got them from my forefathers. So many duties and responsibilities. I can't just give you one. So the angel says, don't I recognize you? Weren't you the man who was impoverished, etc.? If you're lying, may Allah return you to what you were. Because again, he refused the blessings of Allah. Rejected and didn't accept that this is all blessing from Allah upon him. Started saying, no, this is my inheritance and I earned this and this is mine now. Then when he went to the third one, the one who used to be blind, the blind one said to him, when he made the same request that I need to get to my people, I'm in poverty, allow me to take one sheep. The blind one said, all of these sheep and all of these blessings, everything was given to me from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of this was blessing upon me from Allah. So whatever you want to take, I'm not going to stop you. Whatever you want to take, I will not prevent you. All of this was blessing of Allah upon me in the first place. So then the angel says to him, Radiyallahu bik wa an sahibik. Allah is pleased with you, but He is displeased with the other two. The other two, it is as if they thought now these blessings, they're mine. I've earned them, I've got them, they're my property now, these blessings. They are mine. Whereas this third one recognized everything you've got, it is not yours. It is not you who have earned it for yourself. It is all blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you. So recognize those blessings and attribute them to Allah. And so that's why the Prophet ﷺ says here now, look to those who are below you. And don't look up to the ones who are above you. Because by looking to those who are below you, no matter how much you think you are in poverty, no matter how much you think your blessings are limited, when you look to somebody who is even lower than yourself, then you realize actually I have twice as many blessings as he has. Even if yours are limited, you still realize I have twice as much as what he has. So when you look to those below you, it causes you to remember and to reflect upon just how much Allah has given you in reality. You realize how much you've been given in reality compared to the one who is even below you, further below you. Then that one who's below you, he looks to another person who's even further below him. And he thinks to himself, Alhamdulillah, look how many blessings Allah has given me. Then that third one looks to somebody even further below him. And even he will think, Alhamdulillah, look how many blessings Allah has given me. You look to those below you and you recognize and realize how much you've been given. But the shaitan whispers to you, and you look to those above you always, look what he's been given, look what he's been given and she's been given, and the house they have and the car they drive. That is how you think and that is how you look and that is your perspective then you will not be grateful upon the blessings you've been given, neither will you even recognize how much you've been given. 
Because all you're doing is looking at those above, but we haven't got that though. And we haven't got this, and we haven't got that. And it leads you down a pathway of ungratefulness to Allah. And it leads you down a pathway where you're no longer thankful and you don't remember and recognize just how much Allah has given you. So in this hadith, the shaykh says, what a beneficial, tremendous advice from the Prophet ﷺ. Don't look up to this one and that one. Look to those below you and you will realize how many blessings you've got. You will realize the vast amount Allah has given you. And you'll recognize that and you'll realize the value of it. You'll realize the value of the blessings Allah has given you. When you see those who are impoverished and those who are below you in those levels of blessings. So this is a great advice which brings peace to the heart of a person. Brings comfort to a person. Brings comfort to an individual who truly understands this. Because no matter what your situation is, no matter how difficult you think it is, when you look down and see somebody in even more difficulty, then it brings you comfort and ease and you think, Alhamdulillah, look at me. How much Allah has in reality blessed me. No matter what my situation is, I am still far more blessed than such and such. Look at this situation. And that gives you peace and comfort and ease in your heart. Knowing that all of this is the decree of Allah. Knowing that you still have a great, tremendous amount of blessings of Allah upon you. But in those times of difficulty, the shaitan causes you to focus on the weaknesses. Causes you to focus on the negatives. And you forget about what Allah has actually bestowed upon you. So in this hadith, it is an encouragement to recognize those blessings and to attribute them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's where we'll conclude today. Uh, the next section of a hadith is a different chapter. The next section, the next uh, uh, bunch of a hadith which are coming up, they are all about fiqh. So there is a chapter regarding fiqh which is coming up. So from the next session, inshaAllah ta'ala, we will begin this chapter which is a chapter on fiqh. Uh, from the next session, until we finish that chapter on fiqh, fiqh of prayer, of tahara, of wudu, etc. Uh, uh, and that is the next chapter coming up, the next 10, 15 hadith. So inshallah ta'ala will begin from that next time. If there's any questions now that we're able to do, we can do those. Otherwise we'll conclude.